Amen. Thank you, Mark. That's wonderful. Making sure I'm on the orange square. <laughs> Make sure I'm massively illuminated. Uh, it's really, really wonderful to be with you. Um, what an incredible facility. I bet you're all really excited about uh, having this beautiful facility and doing Christmas stuff. I mean, even hearing about a, a music thing. I mean, you should be packing this place out. It, it, it's, it's so easy, actually, if we just start to talk to people, to invite them into something which is such a beautiful space and then beautiful people to encounter and wonderful music, fantastic worship this morning. Well done, uh, band, for pressing through uh, what often actually is sort of demonic uh, attacks. It's, it's interesting. We were doing something a few weeks ago at Westminster Chapel and talking about spiritual warfare, and every possible thing went wrong. I mean, it's one of those mornings where the sound went, the electricity went, the, it just was but we pressed through, and God, God moved wonderfully in that, uh, in that space. Westminster Chapel uh, is just about, I think in the next week, going to open. It's been completely refurbished. If you've never been there, it's a really old-fashioned uh, Victorian building. Uh, historically, would have sat two, two and a half thousand people, and that we've just finished a massive reorganization re of it, putting a coffee shop on the front, a lounge on the front, opening up for the street. It's uh, very, very beautiful. And uh, it's, it's quite exciting because we're trying to turn the church from sort of inside, inward looking to outward looking, which is something of what I want to share with you this morning. I, I want to talk about building a church of observable glory. Heather and I have loved uh, getting to know this church, loved getting to know uh, Mark and Jen. Uh, we, we, we've been able to even meet over lockdown, share times and uh, you are blessed having them as leaders you really are and i hope you know that i hope you encourage them often mark's full of passion not just for spurs and you need a lot of passion if you're going to be a spurs fan let me tell you my two sons are spurs fans as well and uh, it's quite a depressing thing really uh, <laughs> they say they've lived their whole life and i think spurs have won one thing in their lifetime so it's like oh who would follow them but uh who knows? It's uh, Hope Church, and we live in a season of hope. Um, it feels a little bit to me, I don't know if you're the same, it feels a little bit to me like the church is emerging like Noah out of the ark. We've had this devastating tsunami flooding of uh, COVID, and it feels a little bit tentative, doesn't it, coming out into church for the first time and thinking, What's familiar? Wow, the whole landscape seems to have changed. What, what should we be doing? What's, what's our priorities in what we're doing? Well, the Archbishop of Canterbury has said to the Anglican Church, our prior, his, the priorities of the Anglican Church is uh, reaching out with the gospel, uh, planting new churches, uh, strengthening the existing church. And uh, that's a great call, isn't it? You think, well, everybody's going to love that. Well, yesterday in the, um, in the Times, Matthew Paris wrote this. Anglicanism was never really about God. He writes this, The Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, has made a forgivable but serious mistake. He thinks the Church of England is about God. <laughs> 
He intones the Anglican faithful for reach, to reach out, to plant new churches, targeting the church message to a younger generation, finding new ways, new media to put on the Anglicanism message across. He said what he fails to realize is the church has failed, and this is the 70th consecutive year of decline in the church attendance. And he finishes this article saying, turn away, turn away from us, Archbishop of Canterbury, planting new churches in untilled soil that will wither, and they will. There are worse corners to crawl back into than traditional parish churches, which is all about ceremony and all about sort of little safe places. And I want to really challenge you this morning as a church. What are we building that will last for eternity? And I, I want to encourage you that we want to build the church of Jesus Christ because that is truly eternal. And what you will do here will last beyond your lifetime. And I want you to see that this morning through a lens of uh, Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, if you've got a Bible, uh, I'd love you to turn there. And I'm going to look at four aspects. Uh, and hopefully one of these aspects will land with you in terms of what you should be doing as, as an individual. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus said, Matthew 28, 18, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And this same Jesus is the one who ascended to the Father's right-hand side. And in Ephesians 4, verse 7, I'm just going to read these verses, 7 to 16. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he is also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of Man and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So I want to ask you four very simple questions in terms of application of building the Church of Jesus Christ in this world today, where you are today. And the first question is this, are you a fighting church? We often read Ephesians 4 and think about apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers and think about the sort of the, the, the importance of foundations and everything else. But this passage actually begins in battle, in 
a fighting metaphor. I think one of the reasons the Church of Jesus Christ is not doing well in the West today is we have forgotten that we're to be in a battle, that you've been born again on a battlefield, that when things go difficult for us, we go, well, that's a surprise. It should not be a surprise. All hell is working against the Church of Jesus Christ. And so when Paul explains here why we need, why the, why the church of Jesus Christ needs gifts in order for it to function and fulfill its purpose, he begins talking about Christ. He talks about the one who ascended on high and led gifts in his train and gave gifts to men. He quotes Psalm 68, except with a difference. If you look at Psalm 68, 18, and then look at what Paul quotes here, you'll notice a very subtle difference. Because in Psalm 68, which is talking about the victorious king coming into the sort of, into the battle, uh, having won the battle and having got all the plunder from the enemies, this brilliant, ascended, wonderful king would receive the tributes would receive the gold, the silver, the slaves, the women. He would, he would have a palace full of all the triumphal goods that he would receive from the nations that he had conquered. It was all about the king receiving. This is all about our king, the one who descended to the lower earthly regions, descended upon the earth, the one who became flesh and blood, Jesus Christ, the one who now ascended, gives gifts to his church. He is the mighty, victorious King of kings and Lord of lords, the Jesus Christ. And this king gives his church gifts in order for the church to win the battle. Mark reminded us very powerfully earlier on about David and Goliath, about Gideon fighting the Midianites. These are these are wonderful encouragements to us today to just remind us that we are in a battle. I would imagine today in this room, many of you are fighting. You have spiritual battles, depression, anxiety, fear, things that are coming against you. And it is normal, New Testament normal. And the one who can break through for you, the one who lifts our heads, the one who comes alongside us, is the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the one who is ascended at the Father's right hand, ever living to intercede for us. And he says this to all of us who are battle-weary, who've got wounds, bruises this week, there is grace. There is kindness. There is healing. There is lifting up from our great King. But he encourages us in this way this morning by asking this very simple question, are you fighting? The fight of faith. I think sometimes I give up too easily. It gets difficult. Oh, well, I couldn't, be, I couldn't care less. No, we've got to fight. Fight for truth. I went and heard uh, Tom Holland this week, who, who wrote a, who's a writer, a historian, uh, and he wrote a book called Dominion. And he was speaking at um, the British Library. And uh, in, in talking about his thesis of, has Christianity made the world a better place? His overwhelming 
answer was Christianity has completely transformed this world for good. And it's done it by the power of the cross. That Christians have been unashamed of the cross. And he's saying in the West today, the church makes very little of the cross of Christ. Makes a lot about being nice people, about nice buildings, about beautiful worship. It makes very little of the cross of Christ. And yet it's the cross of Christ which has transformed the world. The one who ascended was the one who descended. Christ crucified for our sin, the sin of the world, in order paradoxically that by believing in his death, we receive his life. That we who in our pride think we are here lose our life and in losing our life find salvation. Fighting. The second uh, F I want to turn your attention to or um, which is, which is really important. I'm just going to make sure I've got the right one. The foundations. He says here, the, this Jesus, by the way, from his ascended place, you sometimes hear arguments, we don't need apostles and prophets and evangelists because that was for the early church. No, when Jesus lived on this earth, yes, he called some to be apostles, but from his Ascended place, he gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. What for? So that they sit on a stage or they stand in prominence in big buildings, that these are the important people. No, they are there to equip God's people for works of service. They are there to build the church. Leadership, pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles, prophets, men and women are Gifts from the ascended Christ to help you to do what you've been put on earth to do. Did you know that? Please understand this. These gifts are not about a Sunday meeting. They're not about, well, who's the, who's the big A? Who's the big P? Uh, we're coming on a Sunday and this is church life is all about the Sunday meeting. No, the Sunday meeting is all about you and your life. 24-7. And these gifts are given by Christ to equip you to live the life of faith where you are, to win the battle, to live a Christ-like life. These are foundational for the church. They begin the church, but they go on looking after the church and equipping the church and serving the church. They are really, really important. And why I believe the church is in such a bad way is that the church often thinks we don't need, we, we can just live our, on our own. We don't need anybody else to help us. You do. You need to receive gifts in that will lift your eyes to the horizon so that you don't just think Stratford. You think West Ham. You think London. You think the ends of the earth because that's what these gifts are here to do. And if you don't understand this, just think of a normal building process. If you've never, I'm, I, I used to be in the building industry. If you've never known this, if you want to build a new building, what do you do when you arrive on site? You invite in the architect, the conscious surveyor, the structural engineer, the site agent, the people, the carpenter and the steel worker. You invite these people into the very first meeting and they say, they introduce themselves. Hi, I'm the architect. Hi, I'm the QS. I'm the... Why, 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 why do we need all these people? Because they know how to build the building. 
And they don't just start the building, they keep meeting all the way through the building. Because they know how to build a beautiful building according to a blueprint. And we have the blueprint, the New Testament. But we need the gifts. What gifts are you receiving in as a church? You need it might be you need releasing gifts as well, releasing Mark to a wider ministry, because these gifts are here to help the church be everything the church should be. Everything you are. You're the full-timers. Are you hearing this? You are the full-timers in this incredible process of building the church and fighting the fight. The third F is found in verse 12. And uh, the third F is, are you a fishing church? And I want to ask this very practically about fishing. It says here, verse 12, to prepare the evangelist and the pastor, teacher, apostles and prophets, prepare God's people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That word prepare in verse 12 is found elsewhere in the Bible. It's found in Mark 1 and verse 19, where it says in Mark 1 that that James and John were on the edge of the Sea of Galilee and they were preparing or mending their nets. They were getting ready for another fishing trip. They were mending, preparing their nets in order to go out fishing. And here's a really important point for the church of Jesus Christ. We are meant to be a fishing community. We're meant to fish together. We know that Jesus in his his life and ministry, he called his disciples from a fishing community, some of his disciples from a fishing community. He said, you're not going to catch fish anymore, you're going to catch men. And you're going to catch men in the same way as you catch fish. You need to net together, network together. I am sending you gifts to the, to the church so that you might mesh or network your lives together in order to catch fish. Are you, are you hearing this? Because what happens often is the evangelist, you think what we need in order to see people saved is an evangelist. But an evangelist is here to teach you how to network, how to do life together, how to do food together, how to do music together, how to do life together in such a way that it inevitably catches up people all around you, the people, the streets you live in, the the very neighborhood here, catches you up into the boat, which is the church of Jesus Christ, where you catch fish. You see... What we enjoy doing, this is, this, is a, this is a failure in all of us. We like the guy who comes onto the stage and says, let me tell you about the fish I caught. I'm an evangelist. I want to tell you it was this big. Went down on the high street of Stratford, just preached the heart, my heart out, preached the gospel. This person, they put their hand up and they responded. They came out of sickness. They came out of death and And we are wowed. Oh, wow, this guy, this girl, they're fantastic. And we immediately disqualify ourselves. I could never do that. They're a brilliant fishing. Do you know what? Heather and I 
were fishing this morning. We were fishing this morning. We went fishing this morning. We were out right next to Buckingham Palace, Buckingham Palace and Westminster Chapel. We were out in a garden, working a garden, meeting the neighbours and inviting them for free coffees as the Westminster Chapel's coffee shop opens, for Christmas carol services. We were just networking, met probably a dozen people this morning and talked to them about, hey, come and meet some people in our church, share some coffee and get to know us. We are one little bit of net. When all the church of Jesus, when this whole church goes, I can play my part, I'm good with kids, I'm good with food, I'm good with music, I'm good at the first, when we all work together, you'll catch a marvellous catch of fish. You will. Because you're an amazing group of people. Please, please don't rest it all on one person. It's all on Mark. Let's hope that this Christmas it all works because it's all on Mark. No, it's all on us. We work together. Some of us are good at this and good at that. And we praise God we are. And we network those lives. In our street in, in Bournemouth, we, um, we've been networking for quite a, quite a few years. Lived there 21 years. And uh, in lockdown, you think, well, that's, you know, what, what are we going to do in lockdown? We decided we're going to do church on the street in lockdown. We've got so networked with all our neighbours, we had 30, 40 people coming to the ends of their drives, listening to the gospel, uh, singing some hymns, being prayed for. On Pentecost Sunday, when we did a service, I prayed for the Holy Spirit to come on this street, busy street. I said, well, I'm just going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come at this point in time. And a non-Christian afterwards invited me around for dinner. We talked about everything. He said, what was that? He said, there was electricity in my body. What was that when you prayed the Holy Spirit come? I said, well, he's the third person of the Trinity, and he can do things that none of us can do. It, we work together living our lives together, shared life, shared experience, shared food, shared finance, in order to catch others up. By this will all men know you are my disciples. How? Because we love each other. But that love doesn't just focus in on a Sunday when we all get together and it focuses out and we're reminded that we are called to be fishermen. Every one of us. Every single one of us. And please don't hear what I'm not saying. The person who actually lands and pulls the fish out and lifts it before the congregation at baptism, hey, someone's got saved, what have you. Oh, you were brilliant. You pulled that fish out of the net. <laughs> yeah, but before that fish ever came into the boat, it was caught up in other people's lives. Every one of us is involved. Don't disqualify yourself. We're all in this together. And let me finish by finally talking about the last F, and that's the farming. Are you a farmer? He talks about the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, builds itself up in love as each part does its work. He talks about this incredible body of the church. And what is this body of the church meant to be doing in building itself up and strengthening itself? You and I are called to be farmers. Paul in Corinth talks about uh, 
a polis, uh, I, I, I planted a seed, a polis watered, God made it grow. I want to finish this message by encouraging you to think, where are the fields God wants us to reap? Where are the fields God wants us to sow? I felt, as I was praying before, in pre preparing this message and thinking of this church, I, I, I felt the Holy Spirit say, say to me, there are unplowed fields in Stratford that you're to plow up. There are seedling uh, areas. I believe that, that one of your biggest areas will be children and youth. You're going to plow up fields and sow seed, and you're going to see lots and lots and lots of green seed growing. You need to prepare in order to see that harvest. It's 80% of people who become Christians become Christians before their 18th birthday. So let's take a harvest field, believe for a harvest field. I believe there's areas of Stratford that are, 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 are rock-hard ground and there's gifts in this church which are going to be plowing, plowing, breaking it up in order for the seed of God's word. But I also believe God would say to you as a church, there are areas beyond Stratford that God has assigned for you. And every one of you needs to be in this farming community, watering and sowing and, and harvesting and believing God for a greater harvest. I believe this church is going to grow. And I believe this church is going to grow in multicultural ways, in younger ways. And I believe that there are many fields God wants you to lift your eyes and see. And I'm, I'm here really this morning in, in a very simple way to remind you, as Jesus reminded his disciples, to lift up your eyes, look at the fields, they are white for harvest. There is a harvest to take in Stratford. This is the first fruits. Look around you this morning. You are the first fruits, first fruits from your community, the parts you live in, the streets you live in, the age demographic that you represent. If you're the first fruits, what will the harvest look like? What will it look like? when this church starts to grow and see many, many people saved and added. I believe the fields in the UK are ripe. And today we must respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. The hope of the nation is the local church. Please hear that. It's not a great gift. It's not a great ministry. It's not Billy Graham type gifting. It is the local church is the hope for the nation. And it's the local church operating in a blueprinted way whereby we're aligning ourselves to the blueprint of Ephesians 4. That we are a family together on a mission. That we have been given fields to harvest for Jesus Christ. That we are fishing and networking our lives together, built on these foundational gifts that we receive in with wholehearted obedience and faith and say, thank you, Father, and we are in a battle. Today we are in a battle. And we don't roll over and play dead. We take the five smooth stones that God has put in our hand and we say, no, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this worldview that is trying to tell the church the church can't be the church? The church must be silent. The church can't say about men or women. The church can't speak on these things. No, we need to find our, our voices and say to those uncircumcised Philistines, no, I'm a child of God. God is my father 
and I come against you in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, we want to build a church like that here, don't we? So why don't we stand, and I'm going to invite the worship team back up, please. Let's just lift our hands before the King this morning. Lord, I just want to bless you for this church. I thank you for its name, Hope Church. Lord, a church which brings hope where there is hopelessness. A church which shines a light in the darkness. And I pray today, Father, for every battle-worn soldier in here that you'd come and refresh them. I pray for everyone who's disconnected to be reconnected, sewn into the net of this church today. I pray, Lord, that we'd be on the combine harvester and hear your, your encouragement. The fields are ripening for harvest. There are children and youth. There are many, many people, Lord, you want to see saved from all over the world, saved and brought into this beautiful church. I pray we build our lives on your word on these gifts that you've given to the, to, to, to the church, these wonderful gifts that we need to receive. I pray, Lord, you help this church to receive them, to be equipped by them, and to be sent out. And I now pray for every full-timer in this building. May they receive a, a heavenly commission today to go out into the world and to preach the gospel, to go out in the world and to live this life of love, to go out into the world and be carriers of peace. Prince of Peace, we, I pray for the most incredibly fruitful season this church has ever seen. I pray this Christmas, like no other, that so far in the history of this church, Lord, there'll be many, many people coming in, seeking. Not because we've done anything different, but just we've lived, shared our lives together. We've networked together. And we've invited you into this battle and say, Jesus, be exalted. So be glorified this morning, I pray. Let this message find good soil. Let it produce a harvest in our hearts and lives, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.